Good morning and welcome uh, to worship. A couple of announcements. Our bulletin says that there is no Sunday school today. There, there is, in fact, uh, Sunday school today. Uh, and one other announcement. Um, those who are requesting baptism, um, please come to the consistory room after this evening's service. Our call to worship this morning comes from Ezekiel 34, verses 14 through 16. I will feed them in a good pasture. Please turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We'll be reading verses uh, 1 through 21. John chapter 10, 1 through 21. Hear the word of our Lord. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him. And they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is in hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. There was a division, therefore, again among the Jews for these sayings. And many of them said, He hath a devil, and is mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, These are not the words of him that hath a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? So far the reading of God's holy and infallible word. 
Jesus says in John 15, verse 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now, we no doubt can think of, of many examples of people like this. Ranging from soldiers giving their lives for their country or for their their brothers in arms to parents who have given their lives protecting their children from harm to the many who gave their lives, more specifically, rescuing office workers in the Twin Towers during 9-11. And we look at these heroes we look at them and, and we, of course, must recognize that it's admirable what, what they've done. They've given the ultimate sacrifice for someone else. <clears throat> and this truly does make them worthy of honor. And we need to remember those who have done this, who have given the ultimate sacrifice. And In our culture, in our society, this is the type of behavior, the type of love that we need to promote. And of course, these are all minor examples of minor types of who Jesus is. It's to a much greater degree, this is exactly what Jesus did. He gave himself for others. He gave himself as a living sacrifice. He laid down his life for his people. And even the name he uses for himself here in John 10 gives us a hint of, of, of what he's going to do, of who he is. He says here, I am the good shepherd. Now the word that John uses here for, for good, it, it, it isn't referring to just something that is morally good. But this word actually refers to someone who is morally beautiful, someone who is morally noble. Referring to someone that is noble and, and virtuous. The good shepherd is virtuous and noble And this makes him worthy of honor. And as we look at this good shepherd, we we look at how he treats his sheep. This is admirable. This is beautiful to behold. And after we look at him, after we see what he does for his sheep, it's going to be obvious that Jesus Christ is the greatest hero The greatest example of sacrifice and love. He is the Savior that we all need. The Savior that we need for forgiveness and restoration. He's a Savior we need to admire and honor. And a Savior we must worship as our Lord and as our God. The title of our sermon this morning is The Good Shepherd of the Covenant Sheep. And we'll be looking at four different things. First of all, he stays with his sheep. Secondly, he knows his sheep. And 
Thirdly, he brings in other sheep. Fourthly, some of which we'll be looking at during the Lord's Supper, he lays down his life for his sheep. Now, if we look at this text, if we look at these verses in John, nowhere does it specifically say that Jesus stays with his sheep. But we do find Jesus contrasting himself here with the hireling, the person who is hired to watch the sheep. Jesus says of him, But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling, who who Jesus here is... uh, Comparing to the religious leaders of Israel, only cares for the sheep because he is being paid. He doesn't own these sheep. Therefore, when trouble arises, when wolves threaten the flock, the hireling does not stay. He values his own life over that of the sheep. He takes no risk. He's not willing to take any risk, but whenever trouble arises, he quickly leaves the sheep and flees. Now before we look at how how Jesus is the one who stays with his sheep, I want to make one note here. I want to make one note about the wolf here. Jesus says here that the wolf catches or or snatches the the sheep and scatters them. Yet if we look at verse 28 and 29 of this chapter, he says about his sheep, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. When it talks First about the wolf, it seems to indicate that he's able to snatch the true sheep from the flock. But yet in verse 29 and 28, it says something entirely different. Well, the truth is, the truth is that the wolf, whether it's false teachers, whether it's persecutors or or Satan himself, he does come. They do come to snatch and to destroy He is able to harm and wound the true sheep. He is able to harm true believers. But God's word is very adamant. That he will never snatch the sheep out of the shepherd's hand. This is a comfort to all Christians, to all believers. But this comfort does not extend to those who are not believers. There is no promise here to nominal Christians that they will never be snatched away by false teaching, by worldliness, or by persecution. You are the prey of the wolves. They like it right now that you're not believing and They want you to remain that way. And they may be content to let you remain where you are. 
or these figurative wolves may be hatching a plan to snatch you and carry you away. The only safety from these wolves mentioned here is found in the Lord Jesus Christ, is found in the arms of the Good Shepherd. Unlike the hireling, the Good Shepherd stays with his sheep. When the wolf threatens his sheep, the Good Shepherd does not leave. He does not flee. Jesus is ever with his people. He's committed to them. He is so close to them and so protective of him that he says that they are in the palm of his hand and no one can snatch them out of his palm. Jesus is so committed to staying with, protecting and leading his people. We can see this in his life. He became us. He sympathized with us. He lived among us and called the people from among us. And then when his work was complete, when he had ensured the salvation of his covenant people, when he left and went to glory, he didn't leave us alone. He didn't abandon us, but stayed with us by sending His Spirit, the Comforter, to dwell in us, to guide us, and and to lead us. And so in the Holy Spirit, Jesus is with us now, and He will continue to teach us and lead each of us to glory, to be with Him. Now sometimes this can be One of the hardest things to believe or trust, even as a believer. It can be hard to believe and trust that the Lord Jesus Christ is with us. That He never leaves us. That He never forsakes us. Because the reality is that often, or sometimes, we feel that He isn't there. We feel that the Lord Jesus has abandoned us. He isn't hearing our prayers. The Christian with the child or children who have been snatched away. How come the Lord hasn't saved them? How how come He isn't hearing my prayers? The believer whose physical body is deteriorating and there seems to be no possibility of recovery or an even temporary stain of their condition, why won't the Lord have mercy and even give me a little reprieve? And then there's the brother or sister going through a rough marriage where reconciliation seems impossible. Or the believer living in depression who can't see past their own sin and failings. How come the Lord won't break through and bring peace and healing? Why does He make the agony go on so long? When this is happening, it could be the wolves trying to snatch you. It could be the Lord trying your faith. It could be both. But Christ and His Word testify that He will never leave you or forsake you. 
The Lord says to his people, to his suffering people, to his people being tried, he says through Isaiah to them, Thou art my servant. I have chosen thee and not cast thee away. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Your God and your shepherd will never forsake you. He says he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom. And he shall gently lead them. Dear Christian, you who feel abandoned today, you who feel alone, you who feel like the Lord is far away, That he no longer cares for you. Or that he is a hard master who enjoys subjecting you to hardship and pain. The Lord comes to you today. He comes to his suffering and sorrowing sheep. Promising you from his word. But showing you here in the Lord's Supper and the elements you see. Showing you in the elements that you will eat and drink that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you, but will be by your side through your trials, through your battles. He will give you grace for each day. Until one day, he leads you, he will lead you to heavenly pastures. God's word is very clear. The Lord will never leave his sheep. And this is a great comfort to us. But this passage tells us much more about his care. His care involves more than just remaining with and defending his sheep. His care is is much more intimate than that. Jesus says here in verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Jesus knows each of his sheep. And in verse 3, he tells us that he knows each of his sheep by name. So dear Christian, dear believer, Christ knows you by name. He knows you intimately. He knows everything about you. And he is ever with you. He put his spirit in you. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. And he reveals himself to you. So that you too know him, the shepherd. He sent his spirit to open your eyes. He has regenerated you so that you are no longer blind. And now you begin to see the things of God. You begin to know the Lord Jesus Christ and to love Him and to desire His company. You've been born again into new life. New life that you find in this great shepherd. You know this. You know the Lord Jesus because of the Holy Spirit. 
We read the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Spirit testifies to us. The Good Shepherd sent His Spirit to work in our hearts so that when we receive the Spirit of adoption, we cry out, Abba, Father. And then there are these wonderful words. And as many are are as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. A good shepherd knows you. He knows you intimately and has brought you into the family of God. You've been born again as an adopted son or daughter of God. Jesus isn't only speaking here about knowing his sheep, being acquainted with them. He's speaking about an intimate knowledge. But what's even more amazing here is if you look at this entire verse, he also speaks about the Father knowing him and him knowing the Father. And Jesus does this purposely. He's comparing the two, his relationship with the Father to his relationship with his people. He's drawing a connection between the relationship he has with the Father and the relationship he has with the sheep. He's illustrating here for us the closeness and intimacy of the relationship with the Father. And in this relationship between him and the Father, there is no closer. There is no no more intimate relationship than the one in the Trinity. The relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And here Jesus, what he's doing, he's illustrating for us that although we do not share in the divine nature, we're not infused into this Trinitarian relationship, yet we have a relationship with Christ that is analogous or that is similar to his relationship with the Father. Christ is so bound to us and we so bound to Him that we as His body are intimately, absolutely, and eternally connected to and loved by our Good Shepherd. Maybe you doubt this. Maybe you don't see this or or feel the full reality of this in your life. But yet it's true. When you read, I am the good shepherd and, and know my sheep and am known of mine. And then you read, as a father knoweth me, even so know I the father. You cannot, you, you must not believe only the second phrase. That Christ and the father know and love each other. We must believe all of God's word. You cannot believe the second phrase and not believe and hold to the first one. Christ's love for his sheep is very specific. He calls them by name. He knows who his sheep are. And he lays his life down for his sheep. 
those he called to be his sheep. Jesus, when he suffered and died on the cross, when he, when the Father elected sinners in eternity, he was thinking of each believer individually. And when Christ calls his sheep, he calls them by name. He calls them individually. He knows who his sheep are. And he lays his life down for his called sheep, those who are called by his name. He doesn't say that he lays his life down for sheep. This parable makes it very clear that Jesus gave himself specifically for the sheep he calls by name. He's showing us that he has elected sinners. He has elected his people individually and he died only for those he chose. Now this can be hard for for some Christians to understand. They believe that Christ died for everyone and that this was the most loving way for, for Jesus to die. I remember when I was teaching a Bible in Cambodia, I remember I had a godly young student. She's, she's now a missionary who was devastated by the fact that Jesus only died for the elect. She was in tears because she thought this biblical fact diminished the magnitude of God's love. And now we know through Scripture, of course, that limited atonement is true. And that it doesn't diminish God's love. And Jesus, in this parable, illustrates this powerfully for us. He shows us why it is not so that His electing love His limited atonement does not diminish his love. We see this in that he brings in other sheep. The character of God is such that he desires that sinners repent and believe the gospel. He isn't stingy with his grace. He isn't miserly with the gospel. He freely offers salvation. And whoever believes is saved. But he particularly dies for the elect and works salvation in their hearts. The first thing is only possible because he does the second. He is the initiator. He is the sovereign worker of salvation. This is obvious from verse 16 where Jesus says, And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one flock. And one shepherd. He is the one that brings them. He is the one who calls the sheep. And Jesus also here shows his heart for sinners. He isn't this cold, callous God who coldly calls sinners. But he shows us that the gospel isn't something that's exclusive. It isn't exclusively offered. It isn't even exclusively for the Jewish people, but it is for all people. And not only does the Old Testament make this clear, 
But here Jesus tells us that he has other sheep outside the flock of Israel that he must bring in. Jesus is making it clear to his audience here that the gospel was going to the Gentiles. That the Gentile and Jewish believers would would make up the flock of God and that he would be the shepherd of that flock. Jesus came into the world not just for the Jewish people, but for all people of the world. We see here, what we see here is a good shepherd that is a shepherd of unity. That there is diversity among the flock, Jew, Gentile, different customs, language, skin colors. Jesus is the good shepherd that calls diverse sinners together. Sinners at different places in their faith. Saints with different giftings and personalities. We have a great God. And while we live in a divided world, a world of contradictions, a world of strife and war, we as sinners will always find ways to make war, ways to put down others, ways to prey on others and take advantage of others. Whether it be attempted coups, wars between nations, strife between people groups and individuals, ideological conflict, it will always exist until the new heavens and the new earth arrive. But in Christ, In the gospel, he is the one unifier. He is the one that makes wars to cease, enemies to become friends. Jesus is the greatest peacemaker. He and his gospel message brings true peace between him and rebels and between the rebels themselves. Jesus brings peace. He takes rebels like us. And he makes us part of his flock. A flock of sheep that still have indwelling sin. A flock that still has differences in opinion. A flock that until glory come will still bicker. But this is a flock of sheep that is united in Christ. A flock that is now united in Christ. And in the day of days will be perfectly united together. And Christ's flock is it's not an exclusive exclusive flock. It's not a special club with exclusive members. Because membership invitations go go out to all. And the one thing that all members of this flock share is that we are sinners in Adam. And if we remain in Adam, we will die. But Jesus Christ, as the Good Shepherd, offers life to all. He offers Himself so that we can be at peace with God and with each other. He pours out His grace upon us. And this table that we have before us this morning, this is a sign of the peace that He offers a sign of of the peace he brings to this world, but also 
a sign to when all of his flock, all of us around the world will eat and drink with our Savior at the great supper of the Lamb. We see before us this morning, we see Christ's heart for people. We see his grace. We, we see this in the fact that he stays with us, that he knows us. But what makes it all of this possible? That he can pour out his grace upon us is that he laid down his life for his sheep. At the beginning of the sermon, we talked about heroes. Men and women who sacrificed their lives for others, who willingly died in order to save others. And Jesus is comparable to this, these heroes because he gave his life for his sheep. He actually says this four times in these verses. First in verse 11, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Again in verse 15, and in verse 17, and in verse 18. Jesus willingly laid down his life for sinners. He suffered and died on the cross so that his sheep could go free. So that they wouldn't be killed by thieves or robbers or wolves. He died so that his sheep could escape damnation for their sins. He died so that his sheep could be made free from sin. But what Jesus did in laying down his life was much more heroic, was so much more of a sacrifice than any other human hero has ever done. Jesus was in control. Unlike any other human hero, Jesus planned to lay down his life. He planned to sacrifice himself. And this plan was from all eternity. This was his purpose for being born. His purpose for living in this world for 33 years. No human hero plans to lay down his life. No human hero plans to make their death the purpose of their life. But Jesus did. It was the purpose for his incarnation. It was his plan from forever in the past. I was looking at stories of, of heroes. And I came across one of a prisoner at a concentration camp. A group of men were were sentenced to death and one man was very distraught and this particular prison volunteered to take this other prisoner's place and he did take this prisoner's place and was killed. But the difference between the very noble sacrifice that this person did, that this person gave, the difference between this prisoner and Jesus is that this prisoner had no idea he was going to do this. He didn't plan it all his life, nor did he have it as the goal of his life. Human heroes will risk their lives for others. And sometimes the risk is incredible with with no chance of escape. 
Think of a, a regular shepherd, maybe, or, or a good hired hand who, who's defending the sheep from the wolves and a, a pack of wolves come. He will defend the sheep from the wolves, hoping that both they and him survive. He may lose his life doing it, but his hope is that he will survive. But Jesus, and this is why the Bible says lay down his life. Jesus laid down his life. It was his plan. He was in control. And his purpose was to give himself as a living sacrifice for his people. And dear believer, when he did this, he had you specifically, together with all the other sheep, in mind. Amen. Let's be, uh, begin reading the form for the Lord's Supper can find at page 137 the second column top of page 137 Let us now also consider to what end the Lord hath instituted his supper, namely, that we do it in remembrance of him. Now after this manner we are to remember him by it. First, that we are confidently persuaded in our hearts that our Lord Jesus Christ, according to the promises made to our forefathers in the Old Testament, was sent of the Father into the world that he assumed our flesh and blood, that he bore for us the wrath of God under which we should have perished everlastingly. From the beginning of his incarnation to the end of his life upon earth, and that he hath fulfilled for us all obedience to the divine law and righteousness, especially when the weight of our sins and the wrath of God pressed out of him the bloody sweat in the garden, where he was bound that we might be freed from our sins that he afterwards suffered innumerable reproaches, that we might never be confounded, that he was innocently condemned to death, that we might be acquitted at the judgment seat of God, yea, that he suffered his blessed body to be nailed on the cross, that he might fix thereon the handwriting of our sins, and hath also taken upon himself the curse due to us, that he might fill us with his blessings, And hath humbled himself unto the deepest reproach and pains of hell, both in body and soul, on the tree of the cross, when he cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That we might be accepted of God and never be be forsaken of him, and finally confirmed with his death and shedding of his blood, the new and eternal testament that covenant of grace and reconciliation, when he said, it is finished. 
Secondly, that we might firmly believe that we belong to this covenant of grace. The Lord Jesus Christ, in his last supper, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. In like manner also after supper he took the cup, gave thanks and said, Drink ye all of it. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. That is, as often as ye eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you shall thereby, as by a sure remembrance and pledge, be admonished and assured of this my hearty love and faithfulness towards you, that whereas you should otherwise have suffered eternal death, I have given my body to the death of the cross and shed my blood for you, and as certainly feed and nourish your hungry and thirsty souls with my crucified body and shed blood to everlasting life, as this bread is broken before your eyes and this cup is given to you, and you eat and drink the same with your mouth in remembrance of me. From this institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ, we see that he directs our faith and trust to his perfect sacrifice, once offered on the cross, as to the only ground and foundation of our salvation, wherein he has become to our hungry and thirsty souls the true meat and drink of life eternal. For by his death he hath taken away the cause of our eternal death and misery, namely sin, and obtained for us the quickening spirit, that we by the same who dwelleth in Christ as in the head and in us as his members might have true communion with him and be made partakers of all his blessings of of life eternal, righteousness and glory. Besides that we by this same spirit may also be united as members of one body in true brotherly love. As the holy apostle saith, for we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. For as out of many grains one meal is ground and one bread baked, and out of many berries being pressed together one wine floweth and mixeth itself together, so shall we all who by a true faith are engrafted into Christ, be to altogether one body through brotherly love for Christ's sake. Our beloved Savior, who hath so exceedingly loved us, and not only show this in word, but also in very deed towards one another. Hitherto, assist us. The Almighty God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, through his Holy Spirit. Amen. That we may obtain all this, let us humble ourselves before God with true faith and, and with true faith implore his grace. O most merciful God and Father, we beseech thee that thou wilt be pleased in this supper in which we celebrate the glorious remembrance of the bitter death of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to work in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that we may daily more and more with true confidence give ourselves up unto thy Son, Jesus Christ, that our afflicted and contrite hearts, through the power of the Holy Ghost, 
may be fed and comforted with his true body and blood, yea, with him, true God and man, that only heavenly bread, and that we may no longer live in our sins, but he in us and we in him, and thus truly be made partakers of the new and everlasting covenant of grace, that we may not doubt but wilt forever be our gracious Father, nevermore imputing our sins unto us and providing us with all things necessary as well for the body as the soul. As thy beloved children and heirs, grant us also thy grace that we may take up our cross cheerfully, deny ourselves, confess our Savior, and in all tribulations with uplifted heads expect our Lord Jesus Christ from heaven where he will make our mortal bodies like unto his most glorious body, and take us unto him in eternity. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Strengthen us also by this holy supper in the Catholic undoubted Christian faith, whereof we make confession with our mouths and hearts, saying, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead and ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. That we may now be fed with the true heavenly bread, Christ Jesus. Let us not cleave with our hearts unto the external bread and wine, but lift them up on high in heaven where Christ Jesus is our advocate at the right hand of his heavenly Father. Whither all the articles of our faith lead us, not doubting, but we shall as certainly be fed and refreshed in our souls through the working of the Holy Ghost with his body and blood as we receive the holy bread and wine in remembrance of him. The Lord Jesus is our good shepherd. He is a shepherd who never leaves his sheep. He is a shepherd who who knows his sheep by name. He's a shepherd who goes out to find other sheep. He continues to bring sheep to himself. And he is a shepherd who has laid down his life for his sheep. At this first table, uh, it's first for the, uh, the elderly and those who need help going to the table. And so... This good shepherd who laid down his life, he calls you. He calls you, dear believer, to remember him this day. To remember 
who he is and what he has done for you. He calls you to come, dear sinner, to bring nothing with you, to bring none of your works, but simply to to cling to him, to cling to his promises, to cling to his word. That with, you would bring nothing in your hands, but simply to cling to his cross. He is the good shepherd, the one who will never leave you or forsake you, and he is showing all of us this this morning. Telling us that he does not leave us, he stays with us, telling us that he will continue to work in you. Telling you that He has laid down His life for you. Let us pray. Dear Lord in heaven, our great Lord and merciful Savior, We thank Thee, O Lord, for these visible signs and seals showing Thy great love for the sheep. That Thou, O Lord, didst lay down Thy life for the sheep. We pray, dear Lord, that Thou would help all Thy sheep to to look away from themselves this day. As we have spent the week examining ourselves and Realizing how stained with sin and unbelief we still are, Lord, we pray that our eyes may be fixed on Thee, our Savior, this day. That we would find our hope, our salvation in Thee, not trying to merit anything of ourselves. That we would believe what Thy Word says. And that Thou, through Thy Spirit, would communicate Thy grace to us through this Holy Supper. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. This is my body, which is broken for you. As surely as you see this bread broken, so surely has the Lord Jesus Christ broken his body for you on the cross. Take, eat. This is my body, broken for you. As surely as you see this bread broken, so surely did the Lord Jesus Christ break his body on the cross for you.
take, eat. This is my body, broken for you. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take and eat. The cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. This is the blood of Christ poured out for you. As surely as you have seen the wine poured out, so surely has Christ shed his blood for you. This is the blood of Christ poured out for you. As surely as you have seen the wine poured out, so surely has Christ poured out his blood for you. The cup of blessing which we have blessed is the communion of the blood of Christ. Drink ye all of it. Heroes attempt to save others by sacrificing themselves, by giving their lives for them, but sometimes their sacrifice works, but other times it doesn't. Sometimes they sacrifice their lives in vain. And not only do the wolves kill the shepherd, but they kill the the sheep as well. But our good shepherd did not lay down his life in vain. He accomplished through his sacrifice exactly what he planned to do. By laying down his life, our Lord Jesus Christ satisfied the Father's wrath against sinners. He paid the price for your sin, dear believer. And he did this also because it was the Father's will. It was the Father's desire. He did this because he agreed to do it. He did this because he from all eternity had you in mind. He forever loved you. And he laid down his life. He shed his blood so that you can be forgiven and restored into perfect communion with him. And not only does his sacrifice save you from your sin, from the wrath of God, but it saves you from the thieves and robbers and from the wolves as well. You have been brought into the flock of God where you will be ever safe from those who steal, from those who kill, from those who snatch. They may try, they may wound you, they may hurt you, But the kingdom of this world will never snatch you from the arms of your Savior. You are safe. And you are forever His. You who cannot claim any righteousness in yourself. You look at yourself and you see sin.
you don't know. Your sin condemns you. But you also know a Savior. A Savior who is now calling you again to claim all righteousness in Him. He's calling you to find your hope, your joy, your purpose, your redemption, not in yourself. Not in who you are, but to find your hope and your salvation in Him. Your Savior who lived a perfect life for you, who died for you, who rose again from the dead for you, and who now sits at the right hand of the Father for you. He calls you to come and remember what He has done for you. This good shepherd has laid down his life for you and he desires to eat and drink with you. Let's pray. Dear Lord in heaven, we thank thee, Lord, that we can be gathered together to remember what thou hast done. And we pray, Lord, for also for the health or concern that is occurring right now. We pray that thy hand would be upon it, that thou would go with those who may be suffering. We pray, Lord, that thou would have mercy. And we also thank thee, Lord, that we can be gathered together to remember thee thy willingness to lay down thy life for us. And so, Lord, our sincere desire, the desire we all should have is to help us to live lives worthy of thy sacrifice. So, Lord, use also these means of grace today, this Lord's Supper as well, to shape us and mold us to change us to be more like Thee. Encourage and help weak believers here. Use this to help them grow in grace. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. The bread we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take, eat. This is my body, broken for you. Take, eat. This is my body, broken for you. Christ planned from all eternity to break his body for believers. For you as an individual, he knows your name. He knows everything about you. And he shows through his actions 
through breaking his body, through pouring out his blood, that he has an intimate and eternal love for you. Take, eat. This is my body, broken for you. This is my body, broken for you. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take and eat. The cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. As surely as you have seen the wine poured out, so surely has Christ poured out his blood for you. As surely as you have seen the wine poured out, so surely did Christ pour out his blood for you. The cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. Drink ye all of it. By laying down his life, as our text says, Jesus pleased the Father. His Father loved him because he laid down his life for his sheep. And this gives us another look into the the heart of God the Father. His great love for his Son, but also his great love for the sheep. Jesus did the Father's will. He made the salvation of sinners possible. He accomplished the desires of the Father's heart. And this makes clear to us that not only is Jesus Christ our good shepherd, but the Father is our shepherd as well. He says this, the Lord says in Ezekiel 34, verse 30 through 31, Thus shall they know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and that they, even the house of Israel, are my people, saith the Lord God, and ye, my flock, the flock of my pasture, are men, and I am your God, saith the Lord God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit love the sheep. Your triune God holds you in the palm of his hand. He has made your salvation possible and sure. He has done everything for you. Praise the Lord, praise the Father, praise the Son, and praise the Holy Spirit. Dear struggling believer, you who grieve because of your sins, who who mourn because you cannot live for God's glory as you desire, you who think that your sins are more than the good shepherd can cleanse. 
But yet you know you cannot live without Him. You believe in Him. You need Him. And you tremblingly hold to Him as your only hope. He invites you, dear sinner, to come. To come and know that your sins, though they be as scarlet, yet you are as white as snow. He has forgiven you and cleansed you from all unrighteousness. So come, all things are ready. Is there anyone else who wishes to remember their Lord? Anyone who no longer can remain seated, who must, who must confess that Jesus is their Savior, that Jesus is their Lord, there is still room. If not, we will close this table and we will close the supper. Let us pray. Gracious and merciful Father, a loving and sacrificing Son, comforting and teaching Holy Spirit, we come to Thee, O Lord, thanking Thee for Thy triune love and care for us, Thy sheep. We thank Thee for Thy eternal plan that from all eternity in the counsel of peace, Thou, Lord, it's planned the salvation of us sinners who left to ourselves would not seek Thee, who left to ourselves would remain dead in our sins, But Lord, Thou worked, Thou initiated, Thou accomplished salvation for us. And so, Lord, help us also to live our lives for Thy glory. That Thou would use this supper of this day to strengthen us, to be faithful witnesses of Thee. That Thou would use this supper of this day to build us up in the faith, to grow in assurance of faith, but also, O Lord, that we would be godly and live with eternity in focus and that this supper would also give us strength and grace to carry our crosses. We pray all of these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. This is my body, broken for you. As surely as you see this bread broken, so surely was Christ's body broken for you on the cross. As surely as you see this bread broken, so surely are your sins forgiven. So surely are you safe 
in the arms of your Savior. This is my body broken for you. As surely as you see this bread broken, so surely as Christ broken his body for you on the cross. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take and eat. The cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. The cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. Drink ye all of it. When Jesus lay down his life, he was in complete control. No one had power over him. Pilate had no power over him. Herod had no power over him. The Jewish rulers had no power over him. The Roman emperor had no power over him, and neither did Satan have any power over him. No one could take his life. He lay down his life for his sheep. But not only did he lay it down, but he also took it up again. Though he died, though he lay down his life, no one could keep him in the grave. As he lay down his life for his sheep, so he took up his life for his sheep as well. He rose again from the dead so that you too will rise from the dead. He arose from the dead and has gone into glory to prepare a place for you. He's gone to heaven as your perfect mediator, but he has not left you alone. He sent the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to live in you, to change you, to guide you through this life, and to guide you to your eternal home. Beloved in the Lord, since the Lord hath now fed our souls at this table, let us therefore jointly praise his holy name with thanksgiving, and everyone say in his heart thus, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that was within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Who hath not spared his own son, but delivered him up for us all, and given us all things with him. Therefore God commendeth therewith his love towards us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified in his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. 
For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Therefore shall my mouth and heart show forth the praise of the Lord from this time forth forevermore. Amen. Let everyone say with an attentive heart, O almighty, merciful God and Father, we render thee most humble and hearty thanks that thou hast of thy infinite mercy given us thine only begotten Son for a mediator and a sacrifice for our sins and to be our meat and drink unto life eternal. That thou givest us lively faith whereby we are made partakers of such great benefits. Thou hast also been pleased that thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, should institute and ordain his holy supper for the confirmation of the same. Grant, we beseech thee, O faithful God and Father, that through the operation of thy Holy Spirit, the commemoration of the death of our Lord Jesus Christ may tend to the daily increasing of our faith and saving fellowship with him. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, in whose name we conclude our prayers. Let us pray. Merciful Lord in heaven, we thank thee so much for thy mercy and grace that thou dost pour upon us. So strengthen our hearts, strengthen our souls, and help us to walk more closely with thee. And dear Lord, we pray that this supper, this testimony, this sign and seal that thou dost give us would be a sign to those here who are not believers, that they be filled with jealousy to to know thee, to love thee, and to serve thee. And that thou, O Holy Spirit, would even use this supper for their soul's sake. And we pray these things all in Jesus' name. Amen.